0: Welcome to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng.
1: And say, Father, we're grateful for your mercy. We thank you for your love and your grace. We honor you, Jesus, because you are the reason, Lord. And your resurrection grants us access to the throne of grace. Father, we thank you. We honor you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, we worship. Amen. Amen. Well, greet someone by your side. Tell them good evening. Welcome to service. Hallelujah. Say it like you're not tired. Amen. Hallelujah. is the name of the lord hallelujah all right good to see every one of you uh, for bible studies tonight we we started talking about this fulfilling destiny and are born for such a time as this how many of you have been learning some things from the series All right, praise God. So let's pray. Let's get into the word. Father, thank you because I'm anointed to teach. Thank you because your people are anointed to receive. And together our faith is built up in the knowledge of the person of Jesus. I pray that light and understanding will come forth in and through your word in Jesus' name. On Sunday, we talked about the Esther chapter two and verse seven to fifteen. And We zeroed in on the relationships that Esther had. So, can we go there? Go to Esther chapter 2 and verse 7. Now, it's important for us to understand when we're discussing the subject of Esther that from her life, we're trying to pick lessons that we can use and implement in our own life so we can fulfill destiny. So Esther chapter 2, verse 7, he was bringing up Hadassah, that is Esther, his uncle's daughter, for she had no father or mother. And when we talked about this, we talked about the background, right? Now the young lady was beautiful of form and face. And when her father and her mother died, Mordecai took her as his own daughter. So what we find out um, about Esther was the fact that Mordecai took her as his own daughter. And then if you go to verse 8, go to verse 8. So it came about when the command and decree of the king was heard and many young ladies were gathered to the Satilda of Susur into the castle of Hagar, that Esther was taken to the king's palace into the custody of Hagar who was in charge of the women. So Hagar was the eunuch who was in charge of the ladies. All right? And I talked about that if you if you were not here on Sunday, please get the message and listen to it again. And Hagar advised Esther on what to take to the king. And I said that even though the favor of God was on Esther, that advice that Hagar gave aided the fulfillment of purpose. Now, many times, uh, I think I shared a few things some days ago, and someone asked me uh, on Facebook, what is success? Because I said that in the beginning of this series, part one, I said, a man can be successful in the earthly terms, but not successful where heaven is concerned. So someone asked me, what is success? I've always defined success from the scriptures using Acts chapter 13. So let's go to Acts chapter 13 and we're going to read verse 36. Acts chapter 13 and verse 36. We're going to read Acts 13 36. Acts 1336. It says, For David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep and was laid among his fathers and underwent decay. I'd always say this that success is fulfilling everything that God has called you to do within the time frame that God has called you to do it. That's what success is. Now, we know in the natural, David had finances, he was a king and all of that, but when the Lord, through the apostles, was writing about David in the book of Acts, there was no reference to all of that. What was referenced was the fact that David Served the purpose of God in his own generation. Can you say amen? Amen. Now, and I've always said it here, God is not against you having things, but if if all your life is defined by what you have and not what the purpose of God is for your life, you haven't excelled. Now, that's success from the eyes of God because there's also success from the eyes of man. What do you think success from the eyes of man is? What do you think if people were to write about David, what do you think they would write about? I didn't hear you. His wealth. They would write about his wealth. They would write about how many chariots he had. Right? They would write about how big his building it. Am I right? Hey, come on, church. They write about what again? What his... Um, what his crown was made up of. How many carat gold was in his crown? Right? They write about how his robe was. What material. And then you will see them use this. The first king to buy chariot from Egypt. <laughs> the first king to buy chariots with iron legs from Syria. Are, are, are you following this? That's what they write about. And unfortunately, because of the way man will write about David, most of us live our lives so that people will not think that we are failures. I bet every one of us seated in this place today, if we were to live only for the audience of God, some of the anxiety we have in our life will not exist. Are you following this? There is pressure from family. There's pressure from society. There's pressure from your girlfriend. There's pressure from even your ancestors. Traditionally, the first child is supposed to have, who better that tradition? People you never met in your life. Like my friend Brandon Bailey would say that Tradition is pressure from dead people. But, but if you were really to sit this evening with yourself and God, you would find out that some of the things you're really bothered about, you were not bothered about them when God really shows you what your purpose is. And this is what I found out. When you start living your purpose, some of those things that you run after will actually come after you. So God is not a God was not like, oh, David, because you're fulfilling purpose, don't buy chariots. No, 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 no. But there's something greater than that. We're talking about Esther. The fact that God wanted to use her to do something so significant, it didn't prevent her from becoming uh, the queen. No, she had that position. But we talked about destiny, it's perspective. She used her role as a queen. She's not remembered for the fact that she was a queen. She's remembered for the fact that being a queen, she saved the nation. She could have been a queen who didn't save a nation. If we were to write about Esther, we probably would not even write this story as her most important story. We would write how large her shelf was, how many pairs of shoes ha- she had, how, how her perfume covered the atmosphere when she entered. And unconsciously, we live for these things. We live for these things. When we don't have these things, we feel depressed. Even as ministers of the gospel, you, I mean, uh, have you heard of pastors that are committing suicide? Have you read of pastors who committed suicide? You haven't read? How many of you have read of pastors who committed suicide? Okay, so a few of you. So those of you who haven't read, those that have read, will tell you the story. <laughs> but why do you think a pastor will commit suicide? What, what do you think somebody who stands up in the pulpit every Sunday teaching God's word would commit suicide? Why do you think so? What, why do you think so? Huh? Yeah. Pressure. Pressure. Do you think I want to fail? It's pre- there's pressure. You've been in ministry for this number of years. What, what, are you, what have you to show for the ministry? There's pressure. <laughs> there's, there's ministerial pressure. Are you following this? I mean, sometimes you labor, labor, labor for people, and then they betray you, and there's pressure. So you realize that even in our world, there is how we rate pastors that are successful. Am I right? With what? the numbers and the money. And how many of you, you know, it's sad, it's very sad. These are not things that should be mentioned amongst us, but it's sad that we've come to this place in our quest to meet man's expectation, not God. Have you heard of some pastors who go and look for (laughs) power to do the work? Or you know a pastor like that, or you're one? Do do you understand that? But have you read stories like that? Read stories like that? Of pastors who go to meet people, to give them power to do God's work. Uh, can, can, you, can, you, can, you, can you wrap your mind around that? If the God who calls you does not give you power, will you not do the one he has said you should do? Uh, do you understand what I'm saying? I'll give you an example. Billy Graham, one of the foremost evangelists in the world, when he died... Uh, a couple of presidents around the world flew to his to his funeral. It was televised on CNN. Was given a state burial. Very few people are given state burial in the United States. Uh, he is a core Baptist, core Baptist, which means that uh, core Baptist to the core. <laughs> no tongues, right? He led more people to Christ than ever in the history of the world. Billy Graham Evangelistic Association is one of the richest church evangelistic associations in the world. Never raised the dead. Never cured a headache. One cripple never got up. Would you say that he was a failure? No, he wasn't. But that's the measure of assignment that God gave to him. You cannot fulfill destiny if you're not comfortable with what God has asked you to do. You you have to get comfortable, and say you know what God has asked me to serve here. God has asked me to belong here. God has asked me to um, do this. Uh, let me tell you of another person. How many of you have read or you have seen books by Oswald Chambers? Have you seen any book by Oswald Chambers? One of the most popular book is uh, My Utmost for His Highest. Have you read that book? Okay. <laughs> uh, Oswald Chambers, beautiful old general of the faith. He never actually wrote a book. Uh, But his lovely wife compiled all his teaching materials to form that book. Would you say because the wife never preached, the wife was not a success? So when I talk about destiny, I'm talking about that divine assignment that God is giving to you to do. That even man might not recognize. Because in fulfilling destiny, it's not about the recognition of man, number one. It's not about the comfort of either man or yourself. Fulfilling destiny is not about what is comfortable. That is why, pay very close attention to what I'm telling you tonight. That is why sometimes you cannot teach a believer to say, follow your passion. Your passion might not be what God is calling you to do. You might be passionate about something, but that's not what God wants you to do. Your passion may be out of what? Your natural gifting. If, for instance, I was to follow my passion, I'll be a lecturer in university. I'll be among the asshole strike by now. (laughs) Do you understand what I'm saying? I, I wouldn't be preaching because in that proud to this time, this is not my passion. But that's not what God wants me to do. This is what God wants me to do. So if, if your passion aligns with your purpose, then it's a yes. But you can be passionate about things you, you're not, you, you, God is not called you to do. And God can call you to, to do things you're not passionate about. That's where his grace now comes. Because sometimes if you just go by passion, you are going to just rely on your own what? Human ability. Uh, this is not in my notes, but I believe this is what God wants me to say. Right? Now, let's look at this. Moses could not speak. He said he couldn't speak. What did God tell him to do? To do a job that involves speaking. You know, Moses failed in his natural ability to lead. He couldn't even settle what we used to call two fighting in those days. Two people were fighting. Moses couldn't settle it well. But God called him to lead over three million people. So sometimes, if we stay in our comfort zone, we will not get into purpose, we will not rely on the grace of God. I like to plant churches, right? First campus fellowship, I planted field. Didn't work. I think fellowship ran for like six months or so, right? I remember one day I was starting a campus fellowship with another pastor, and then he left. He was a senior, so he left. So we're like three in campus fellowship. So I remember one day I was uh, I went to the class to teach, and uh, (laughs) we were two that day, and so a lady was walking past. She joined us, and we had spent time praying. So she joined us. We were so happy that she joined us. So the next day I went to her hostel to follow up. So she just told me, "Say don't follow me up. I'm not your church member." That what happened is she was passing, and our own campus fellowship was very far, and she was hungry and tired that she thought before she would trek to her lecture hall for her let her just join us ah you know how disappointed I was (laughs) that it was hunger and tiredness that gave me member not my prayers do you follow that so if, if I were to look at myself in the natural I'll never attempt to plant any church anymore remember I said in the beginning of the series your past and your background has nothing to do with what God wants to use you to do praise the name of the Lord are you following this? So, God can put in your heart. And this is what I'm saying. It it, it doesn't have to be comfortable for you. We, we sometimes overemphasize our comfort in doing God's will. See, it was not comfortable for Esther to go and save the Jews. It, listen, it was a death sentence. She could have as well gone to that place and the king does not respect her choice and kill her. You couldn't appear before the king the way you wanted. So, so do you think it was comfortable for Esther? It wasn't. Let's not always feel that fulfilling destiny will just, you know, it, it's just like we'll cross our leg, eat popcorn and Pringles and be watching DSTV and fulfill destiny. We're just going to sail into destiny. Some destiny decisions will not be comfortable. Some destiny decisions, you will not even be sure of what the outcome is going to be. But you know that that's what God wants you to do. Can you say Amen. All right. So we talked about how does God build this, right? We talked about the context of relationships, right? So we talked about family. We we really dealt with that on Sunday. Family, husband and wife, children provides that context. So when you're getting married, you're getting married for that, uh, with that context in mind. Then we talked about and we talked about Acts chapter seven verse twenty two. Moses was instructed in all the wisdom of Egypt. And I said, uh, according to a man by the name of Buck in 1978, he said in the Egyptian palace they typically learned arithmetic, geometry, rhythmics, harmony, prosody, philosophy, and etc. and etc. and etc. Egypt was the the of knowledge was the home of knowledge, right? Of wisdom in those days in the in the civilization. So he had to go to the palace to learn all of that. Why? Because God was going to use that. Even in the New Testament, I think, and I can infer that one of the reasons God also used Paul as much as he used him was because of the background that he had. You know, many times as I mentor young pastors, some young pastors come to me and say, Hey, you know, I'm called into the ministry. Do you think I should go to a Bible school or go to a regular university? What would you advise? I would usually advise a regular university first. Because that knowledge, that whole dealing with people in the outside world and everything helps your ministry. And, 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 and that's why having a proper mentor and father over your life helps. Because I remember um, I was so passionate about, I mean, by the time I got into university, I was so passionate about doing ministry, started a campus fellowship, was doing meetings and everything. At 300 level, I, I, I almost dropped out of school. I just felt, man... School is wasting my time. I really want to do this, you know? So I told him. So I I didn't tell my dad directly. I didn't have the heart to tell him. But I was inferring, you know, about, yeah, urgency of the work, last day. Jesus is coming soon. We don't have the time. So my dad just told me, just make sure that however this call is on your life, just make sure that you bring your certificate first before you. So that just killed, all right? But I'm just thinking that if I didn't have that, I'd probably not be a graduate. I'd probably not be a graduate. Would I be effective in the ministry? Most likely. Will there be probably limits to where God can use me? I do think so. I do think so. Because one of the things you might have to now be dealing with not graduating is your low self-esteem. When you now sit before graduate and sit before people who went to school, you now have to now be doing confession. I know who I am in Christ. I know who I am in Christ. Even though I did not go to school, Holy Spirit is my teacher. You know, you do deal with all those battles. You would be effective, but probably, I'm not saying God cannot use someone who didn't go to school. Are you understand what I'm saying? The context of that training is not wasted. Even though you feel the call of ministry in your life right now, the fact that you're working in that company is not wasted. You know, one of the reasons I have to read a lot in running our ministry is because I, 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 don't ha- I, I didn't have the privilege in my life of probably working for a secular boss in that sense. Just the brief things. But I had never really worked for, you know, you go to work, promotions, all those. Th- I never really. So sometimes in leading this ministry, I have to read those things. I have to, I have to understand how the workplace work works. So see that where you're working right now, where you are right now, what you're doing right now, is all going to add as what God will use to get you into destiny. Amen. All right. Now, the local church. The local church is another place where God builds relationships, right? And now, I know there have been extremes where this is concerned, but the extreme does not affect the truth. There is the fathering spirit of the pastor, not only as a teacher, but as a guide so that you are discipled to fulfill purpose. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, and we we are beginning to lose this gradually in our generation, and we have to get back to the Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, are you still here? Verse 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 14. I do not write these things to shame you. That means I'm not writing them because I want to bring shame to you. But to admonish you as my beloved children or to guide you, right? For if you were to have countless tutors in Christ, yet you would not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. So when Paul was writing to the Corinthians, he says, I'm not writing these things to shame you. I'm writing to you as a father. There is a fathering heart that should go within the context of a local church. Now, as our society begins to develop, one of the things we find out is the spirit of independence. And what the spirit of independence does is actually it, it makes people live their life in such a way that you can't really make impute into their life. Let me backtrack a bit, right? Um, a lot of you who are older, and when I use the word older, I'm not talking about 60, 50. If you were about, if you were about 35, 36, thereabouts, your growing up was was different. And your growing up was different because it was very communal. Am I right? It was communal. Am I right? Well, I have only young people in this church. Am I right? Now, what that simply means is that I'll I'll take Mrs. Arich as an example, right? If I see Mrs. Arich's son, even though I'm not related to them, the fact that we live in the same stretch in the compound, if I see the son playing football at industrial layout when the son should be in school, what will I do way back? What will I do? I'll grab that child, beat the child, send the child to school. When the child comes and reports, what will happen? The mother, it will take another beating. Do you understand that? And the mother will probably come and say, "Oh, thank you very much. My son told me. Do you understand that? that what, what context was that? The context of relationship enabled the whole society to look after that child so that child can become better. Can you see that relationship there? All right. But when we started having uh, people who are wiser than themselves, and they would go to school and beat up teachers, hmm? they'll go to school and beat up teachers who beat their children. What do you think happened? Began to lose that relationship. When my when my dad took me to secondary school, <laughs> he took me to. The principal i can 't forget my principal, Mr. Oko took me to the principal. see this is my son. if he misbehaved, see flogging. there was no phone then, so there was no way to even report before to take permission. He just submitted and you know, I was conscious of that instruction. I, I was conscious now the principal was not my biological father, but I was conscious. I remember. Uh, Mr. J D Oko was one of the first person who, who put perfection in my heart that you can, you can get things 100%. I, I, our first MSI result was beautiful. I had, I had maybe two B's or something, two B's or three B's. Everything was A. And then I, you know, I went to meet him because I, I would, when I finished, he said, bring your results. So I gave him my results. So he said, why do you have B's? Bs? Say you can be a straight A student. You know, I've never forgotten that time. You can be a straight A student. He said you can have A in everything. He says, as far as there is A there, it is possible. And you imagine how that conversation shapes my approach to life, right? Whilst I had other people in our class who had no guidance over them, and when they give us report card, they will quickly change... (laughs) Eh? <laughs> Some of them will come out 19. Then they will now do it like this. <laughs> 18. At least they have passed one person. And from a very tender age, they learn to change figures. And you wonder why the nation is corrupt. It's no guidance. Listen to me, child of God. If you don't plug yourself in the context of accountable relationships, you might not be able to fulfill destiny the way it should be. God created relationships for what? For destiny fulfillment. Are you following me? That's why I would always say, you know, most times when you are, are, are dealing with difficult marriage situations, one of the challenges why solutions becomes difficult is because you have a party that nobody can talk to. They say, who can talk to your husband? I you say, he does not fear any man. And have you estimated like this, I don't fear man, I respect God. There should be someone in your life that if they say, I recall this person, you say, okay, wait, wait, let's settle this matter. If you don't have that kind of person, it is well with you. But the local church provides that framework of accountability. So let's look at this now paul says i'm not writing to shame you and this is where the challenge is it's because people just want the pastoral office in the local church to affirm them but not to correct them you cannot have family without correction in fact the primary role of family is not so much as affirmation but what but correction Are you following this? So if we say we are a spiritual family, then we should be open to Like I said, there are people who have taken this to be extreme, but extreme does not read it of truth. Go to Hebrews 13, verse 17. Hebrews 13, verse 17. Hebrews 13, 17. How do you fulfill destiny? How do you come to this place where you start living out the purpose of God for your life? Hebrews 13, 17. He says, Obey your leaders and submit to them. Now, if you see the context of family, he says we should submit one to another, and then wives submit to husbands and all of that. There's that. You can't have accountable relationships without submission. Right? Hey, are you here? If a relationship is going to be profitable, there's going to be submission. Because not everything coming out of that relationship you would want, you would agree with. Not every correction you would agree with. So he says, For they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. So let them do this with joy. He says, when they are giving an account for your soul, let them do it with joy. We tend to forget the fact that when you get plugged into a local assembly, the pastor assumes that responsibility. Are you going to give account for your soul? Yeah, you're going to give account for your soul, but there is an account that your leader will give to God on your behalf. Especially if you plug into a local church. This is God's word. Is this God's word? Is this God's word? All right. As those who give account, let them do this with joy and not with grief. Don't let them give account of your soul to God with grief, for this will be unprofitable for you. So when you're plugged, that's why, to be honest, you shouldn't just go and join any church. You shouldn't just, this church is close to my house. I just like this pastor. I like the music. I like the way they arrange the chairs. Those are all very natural reasons why you should go to a church because you know that this is a family that god has plugged me in and this is where god wants me to be at the season of my life and you plug yourself there and you submit yourself there especially if you have leaders over you who are leading according to the word of god and according to christ and they are doing their best to nourish you in the right way and you not know, taking advantage of you and doing all kinds of funny things for people who are Christ-like. Then you, you, you put yourself there, you submit yourself there, and you will discover that out of that relationship, your purpose will begin to come forth. There are many people who it's within the local church, they began to give expression to what God has called them to do. Are you following this now? It's it's within the local church. And and so God puts us in that context of family, spiritual family, to aid. And that's why you you can't really do so much if people are not plugged in. Sometimes it's that unit that you're plugged in as you're working together, as you're working together, as corrections are coming, that your attitude is being shaped to become a better person. Because you know it's in church. If I offend you, you have a responsibility to forgive me, right? No? (laughs) You have a responsibility. But if it's at work, do you know you can just say, me and this person, we're not talking for the rest of my time in this company. As a Christian, she doesn't have that attitude. But how do you learn forgiveness within the context of the local church? How do you learn patience context of the local church? And, and people always feel like, yeah, it's church. They did this to me in church. I cannot forgive them what they did to me in church. The truth of the matter is that the fact that we're growing a church and more people are coming just means that we're going to have people at different level of spiritual work. Praise God. And, and that means we're going to hearts are going to come, things are going to come, but what do we do as a family? We walk them out. We walk in love. You know, it's always the what happens to the members. You know, I mean, if pastors will share their stories with you, you'll be amazed at what members do to pastors. You will be amazed sometimes how someone you've blessed with your whole life bless them, done great for them, right? And they turn around and say all kinds of stuff about you. And what happens? If you come tomorrow and see someone in that kind of state, you have to also relate to that person and give them a clean slate. If not, you're going to say you were like the last person that left here. So the the context of the church provides that relationship where God walks in us to fulfill purpose. How I lead the church, how I minister to the church provides a context for God to walk in me to fulfill the greater purposes God has for me. Praise the name of the Lord. Now, in Hebrews 10, 25, it says, let's not forsake the gathering of ourselves together as it is in the manner of some. Go to Hebrews. Not forsaking our own assembling together. Don't forsake coming together as is the habit of some. These some are not connected. They're not plugged in. It says, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. So he provides a context for relationship. The local church is a relational place where God trains us to be ready for purpose. I, I, if I were not a pastor, I would not belong to a local church and not be plugged in. I will not. Because the essence of a believer in the local church is to be plugged in. Be plugged in. Be plugged in. Be accountable. No genuine pastor will take advantage of you. No genuine pastor would uh, would, would lead you in the wrong way. And that's why you have to have the Holy Spirit in you to be able to discern. But I will be accountable. I will will put myself in where I can be guided, where I can be corrected, where I can be chastised. I would receive those corrections and get my life on. And I'll tell you this, right? Maybe I'll spend time to teach on this in in, in a more larger uh, context. Because God has called a man to be a shepherd, there is an anointing on his life, and the wisdom of God is available, And some of the counselors, most of the counselors that will come to you from a genuine servant of the Lord will be the Holy Spirit inspiring that person to lead you in the right direction. Especially if you find someone who is genuine. They will not want to just raise you for themselves, but so that the greatness and the purposes of God in your life would come forth. We need to be more accountable. I've talked about the family. Within the context of the local church, it's not just about showing up and disappearing and showing up. You've got to be more accountable. You've got to be more open. You've got to allow those inputs to come in so you can do what God has asked you to do. Can you say amen? In Titus chapter 2, let's go to Titus. When last did you read Titus? What comes to your mind when you hear Titus? What? Jesus Christ. (laughs) Can can you imagine? So when I mentioned Titus, sardine came to your mind. Ah. KDCC, power to the people. All right, so this is not sardine. Titus chapter 2, verse (laughs) 3. Titus chapter 2, verse 3. Can we read from verse 1? But as for you, Titus chapter 2, verse 1, speak the things which are fitting for sound doctrine. Talk about things that are fitting for sound doctrine. And that is why, let me tell you, one of the key things God helps a pastor to do in a church is to teach members sound doctrine. Are you following this? You see, um, you ought to be taught sound doctrine to the extent where you are stable. If you're still running helter skater, you're not stable yet. You're not, you're not founded. You're not grounded. If you're still running after everything, you're not yet grounded. Praise God. You're not yet grounded. You know, I tell football fans that uh, the generation of football fans we have now are not, they are not uh, fans. Right? Because immediately the club start losing. They will not write. I'm warning you people. If you lose again, I will change club. No, you're not. You're not. You're not a fan. You are just uh, an emotional young man who is running after. There are people who have been supporting clubs. They have seats, generational seats. Now I'm telling you, there are people who have been supporting clubs generationally. Their grandfather supported that club. Are, are you following what I'm saying? That's commitment. That you, you, you see, you should learn loyalty in things like this. <laughs> That's why in my house, there's only one football club you can support. I, I'm teaching you loyalty. That when you belong, as far as you are, when you go on, your, when you start paying your rent, you can't make up your mind. But as far as you are in this house, only one name shall be mentioned. Are you following what I'm saying? It's loyalty. It's, it's loyalty. You might get angry, but you stay there. You might not like this cause, you stay there. You might not like the jersey for the year you stay. You learn these things. Learn to be stable in life. It's not last year we saw you. No, no. Learn it. You you might think I'm joking, but it's the truth. Learn commitments. You can't be changing spiritual fathers monthly. It's not napkin. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And let me tell you this, because... When you change mentors like that or spiritual fathers like that or pastors like that, you have a track record. The new pastor has no idea of your track record. Are you following what I'm saying? There are people I've been raising for the past five years, the past 10 years. If I tell them to make a decision today, I will know why I'm telling them because 10 years down the line, I know where they're coming from. But you plug into somewhere... Immediately, no track record. And that person, if the Holy Spirit does not help them, gives you a decision based on where you are, ignorant of your track record. That's why you discovered, for instance, as parents, you can tell one of your child, do this. And that child is not conscious that by the time, right, that that child is not even aware. (laughs) I remember, I think it was... But see my daughter that would say, where is her wedding picture? And i say, where, where was she? I say, I'm not in the wedding picture. I say, ah, if you had appeared in this wedding picture, you'd have spoilt everything. You can't appear. Do you understand that? Now, all those years that she's not conscious, we're observing her attitude, observing her disposition. Are you following? Tomorrow, she might want to make a decision. We say, no, we don't think you should do this. We think you should do it this way. She might not understand why we are saying, but we can see her tendencies from when she's growing up. Do do, uh, do you understand that, parents? Do you understand what I'm saying? You can say, this my child, a more... I mean, this my child is not not an extrovert. He's not somebody who will go out. Walking behind the computers will be fine. Just working with machines that don't talk would work for this person. And then for a child who is... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> For a child who is extrovert, you just know that sitting in one place is a problem. This one should probably go and study sales or marketing or something. Now, they might not understand that. So you've got to learn commitments. You've got to learn plugging. There are many things in life that will only show up after you've put in the work. Long-term commitments. So you plug into a local church. You're part of the journey. You're part of the unit. You Within the unit, you're learning. You're receiving input. You're submitted in the unit. You're not going with the unit like, hey, I know everything. You're submitted. You know, people say things you don't like. You, 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 you learn humility. You know, do you understand what I'm saying? Because the blood of Jesus brings that equalization. And before you know, you're getting ready for the purposes of God. Now he says, Titus, but as for you, speak the things you are feeling for sound doctrine. Number two, older men are to be temperate. So he says, when you're old, one of the signs you should know that you are matured is temperate. You are, you are temperate, right? Dignified. <laughs> you won't imagine that Paul will write this. But he wrote it. Say, older men are to be sensible. So listen. Listen carefully. Why I said we should read this? Because where we're actually going to, it says the older men should teach the younger men. Now, listen carefully. Older men have characteristics. It is not age. So you can be old by you can be old by age, and a baby in the church. If you are not temperate, you have outburst of anger. You are not dignified. You are not what Paul says you should be. You are not sound in faith. You are not sound in love. You you are an older man, but you can keep malice like you, you were trained with it. You don't have perseverance. You don't qualify to be an older man. So the Bible defines older men as people who are to be temperate, dignified, sensible, sound in faith, in love, in perseverance. Older women, your turn. Verse three. Older women likewise are to be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips. Eh? Not malicious gossip. That means that every story must not be found from your mouth. You're not plugged into the church, but you know everything going on in the church. You know, more people know rumors in the church than sound doctrine. Not malicious gossip. Not enslaved to much wine. Hmm? Teaching what is good. Good. Go to verse 4. So that they may encourage the young women to love their husbands and to love their children. So God is saying, listen, within the context of the local church, older women ought to disciple younger women. But today, how many younger women want to be submitted to older women? Say, ah, they are old school. Say, so It's old school. As if old school is bad. Is old school bad. And so you wear something, and they say, We think your chest is a bit exposed. You say, Ah, who is looking at it? All of us. (laughs) We we can see it's your chest. We can see it. Say, Ah, it's old school. No, we're teaching you to be reverent. And, And that's why we must understand that within the context of the local church, there is a behavior we don't expect of older women. Because if, if an older woman is behaving wrongly, what will she now teach the younger women? Come on, are you following this? See, this is church. This is, this is Paul writing to Titus and said this is how we expect the context of the local church to function. Older women are discipling younger women. So when you're plugged into the local church, there is the pastoral oversight, right? There's the pastor teaching the word. What I'm doing right now, I'm teaching doctrine. This is sound doctrine. I know your amen is very low, but this is as sound as doctrine can get. This is a very sound doctrine. I wanted to say doctrine. This is sound doctrine, right? Now, what happens? Within the context, let's use Spirit and Truth, for instance, right? Choir, our choir. You're plugged into the choir. I'm not a member of Spirit and Truth. I can't come there. I can't come there once in a while. But then you've got an older woman in the person of maybe Pastor Mary. And What happens? that small unit provides the context for this to happen then you've got your women's group you've got your team you've got all your teams you've got your zonal meeting do you understand what i'm saying that's the context now so we can see and say why are you behaving like this it's not like nobody can talk to me no 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 no. if we're plugged into this relationship if you want destiny to happen then we've got to be submitted to one another because the, the, the older women have got this responsibility to teach young people how to love their husbands. Which means that it is assumed that a young woman might not really know how to love her husband. Because the young woman might have learned how to love her husband from Telemundo. And all you think loving your husband just has to do with. You understand what I'm saying? Or, love is just eating out. And you don't know that those people who act eating out are actually acting eating out. It's like Lady um, Daggerwood Mills, the wife of Bishop Dag, would say, Adelaide. people don't wake up. You see all those people who wake up in movies, right? With makeup. Their makeup is on. They've woken up like that. They just put cloth over their head so they wake up very fine and beautiful. You know, and I know, that you don't wake up like that. Some of us don't brush overnight. I will have eaten, the decai come, pounded yam, have meat stuck in our teeth, fish that toothpick could not reach, and we eat around seven, we didn't brush, because you're the father of the house. And then you lay down to sleep. So overnight, you have freezed those things in between your teeth. And then the movie both of you watched before you went to bed was that the the man kissed the woman, good morning. And then the unfortunate person who is by your side, you now want to practice movie. And by the time you open your mouth, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the woman does not know what, what, what hit her. <laughs> eh? She now gets angry. And they are now angry. Now. But, but you, you are you not seeing your mates? No, no, no. Their mates brush their teeth. <laughs> 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 okay. All right, read. So, other women, likewise, verse two, verse 3, are to be reverent in their behavior. So, the concept of being an older woman is measured by behavior, not age. I want you to understand this. It's not age. It's about what? Behavior, all right. Not malicious gossips, enslaved to much wine, teaching what is good so that they may encourage young women to love their husbands, to love their children. Verse five: to be sensible, to be pure. So you learn purity, sexual purity. You learn purity from the older women. So the older woman will say, "Hey, you don't have to go to this person's house this late. You don't have to walk like this. It's not old school. It's teaching you purity because." Your generation may downplay that, but an older woman comes and says, hey girl, you need to put boundaries in your life. Are you following that? That purity, come on, how many of you know God can ride on that to make something out of your life? Let me tell you, if you are left to be on your own, the chances of fulfilling destiny are slim. Because by nature, Man wants to do what is what? Comfortable. How many of you know, have you ever, um, I think we've done it, some of us have done it here. How many of you have taken a course, an online course, and you didn't finish it? You took an online course, you didn't finish it because there was no, uh, you didn't, maybe, how do I put it now? Right? Okay, you didn't pay, the one you didn't pay, let me see. It's not finished, free, okay. The one you paid, the money was not much. Eh? How many of you finished the one your husband paid for you or your wife paid for you? Or No, let me not use husband and wife because sometimes you can turn it to a What is it? Is it because you paid? I will give you your money back. How many of you did not finish a course that your company paid for you? Can you see no hands? Because listen, if your company paid for that course, come on, what happened? What happened? You must finish it. What does that tell you about Accountability. You enter that course knowing, listen, my company sent me here and I'm accountable. Those of you who have gone for company courses, there are certain times you don't feel like studying, but you have to stay there. That's what accountability does. See, if you live your life alone, the chances of fulfilling purpose, child of God, is slim. The kingdom is relationship. I'm going to preach in Anambra, in Newe, first week of November. I have a pastor's conference there. My dad saw the flyer, so he reached out to me and said, oh, you didn't mention this program to me. So I said, oh yeah, I have. So I referred him to the chat we have. There is no invitation I accept without his approval, till date. All my programs for the year, everywhere I'm going, he's aware. I'm going to preach here, I got an invitation here. Say, it's accountability. Can I choose to just do what? Of course. But see, accountability has to be willing because you're submitted. Are you following what I'm saying? You're submitted. It helps you. And the context of the local church, because we're not talking about just being isolated. And you find this all over the place. Even if we look at it in the natural. How many of us belong to professional associations? Right? What does those professional associations help us to do? to provide that mutual accountability where our workplace is concerned. That's how life is designed. And the local church cannot be less. And and we've seen this over time that a few years the Lord has helped us to pastor. People don't want accountability. Immediately you start demanding accountability from people. What do they do? They start walking away. Am I a child? No, you're not. But listen, let me tell you something. Anybody who demands accountability from your life means you well. The greatest proof of love for anybody above you is to demand accountability from your life. That's the greatest proof of love. There are many people who would have been better if they had people guiding them. If they had that relationship. Even within the context of the local church, if they had pastors who genuinely cared about their life, not just about their money. Are you still here? All right, let's read. Are you here? Say amen, say something. Okay. Verse 5. To be sensible, pure, workers at home. Look at the things that the scripture is saying the woman should teach. Workers at home. We're in verse 5. All right? To be sensible, pure, workers at home, kind, being subject to their own husbands. Workers at home. That means that part of the discipleship process is how you manage your home, how you work at home. How you work at home. Do do you think if they ask you, so how do you do your things at home? What are they? They into my private life. It's church I came for. I did not, uh, not come to be anybody's slave. Yeah. How's your home arranged? How's your... How, 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 do, how are you dealing with your, um, your, your work? How, how neat is your home? Share these conversations. These are the conversations that older women... Because they, they want to they help you fulfill destiny. And that's why in those days, in, in the, especially in the Orthodox churches, you, had, you used to have godmothers, right? Godmothers. What, what was the responsibility of godmothers? To do this. You know, we in the charismatic circle, you know, we spoke in tongues and threw away a lot of things. You know, when somebody is speaking in tongues, what can you say again? Say, hi, you are arranging your home. You'll be groaning in the spirit. and The house is scattered. Because you can't pray in tongues on top of a dirty house. The Holy Spirit will still hear you. But you see, those structures, right? Those structures within some of those orthodox churches, those structures, church mothers, you know, some of those girls' structure and all of those, they, they, they were to provide that purpose, that, that framework for destiny fulfillment. So what we have mostly in the charismatic church now is we build ourselves around our work, like professionalism, right? We really don't build it in terms of character development. You see, the church of God is for character development. And let me tell you something. If your character is well developed, you will succeed in your workplace. All right? Subject to their own husbands. So that the word of God will not be dishonored. Praise God. Are you still there? All right. So let's go to, well, let's go to verse 6. Likewise, urge the young men to be sensible. Now, the word sensible in the Greek is actually sensible in all things. So, it's not like you are sensible in one area and then you're foolish in another area. It's all around wisdom or all around sensibility. <laughs> you, you're sensible. All right? There's some people, have, have, I mean, as a pastor, i have... Um, probably call them and say, hey, I'm interested in your finances. What's going on? Not how much you earn, but how long have you worked? What's going on with your finances? And just helping to guide them. And over one, two years, you see that they're better with their finances. Because you can be wise in one area and be foolish in another area. But what this context provides is wisdom in all areas of life. There are some good people who don't know how to look after their wives. They were raised by uh, military fathers. Alright? When I mean military fathers, I don't mean natural military fathers. But people who are, you know, it's like <laughs> your, your house is assembly ground. Once your father shows up, hello, hey, hey, papa, hey, yes, sir, we go, come, sir, hey, where are you? We are here, yes, sir. You know, and, and that's how they were raised. So they don't know how to relate. Right? They, they don't know how to relate. There are some of you, your father has never hugged you in his life. You can't even think of it. Hey, my friend, stay there. What nonsense? <laughs> Do you understand that? There has to be that context. Some is not their fault. Their heart really want to hug you, but the hand does not respect the heart. Do you get it? Now they were not raised that way. Are you following what I'm saying? Let me tell you, it's not easy to change when you are old. Some of you now that are laughing here, you know how your father raised you. If you go to the village, you dare not laugh this way in front of your father. The man will ask you, eh, John, why are you laughing? You say, not sir." Even at, after six children, do you understand that context? So what does the local church provide? You now find older men who now teach you how to walk in wisdom in that area. And you you might just say score that the crisis in your marriage is just due to the fact that we are not raised to show affections. Alright? And then he begins to walk you through it. Begins to walk you through it. But you know, for some of us, immediately, we are married. We are no longer accountable. (laughs) We feel now we are men. We have joined the men's guild. We are big boys. You see... It would do you good to be humble, to learn. When I started my theological studies, right, I found uh, a man, Dr. Akin, who was a medical doctor, but a theologian, went schooled school at a very good school. And I went, submitted to him, and academically submitted to him. When I discovered I was having some issues, I called him. and said, hey, this is the decision I want to make concerning my school, this, this, this. He said, why are you making a decision? Give him all the reasons. He said, it's fine. I told him first. He gave me the approval. Then, you know, I, I sent him to my school. But can I make the decision myself? I can, but it's not a part I have told before. It's not something i would experienced before. Are you following what I'm saying? Even in your workplace, if you're struggling with the job, instead of hating your boss, humble yourself and ask for help. All this lunchtime gossip does not promote career. I They will give somebody a job. How much are they paying somebody? Listen to me. Leave those market women way of living life. You can actually learn so much in a job and you are underpaid, and by the time a new opportunity opens, you have learned enough. You will earn five times what you are earning right now. But if you miss that opportunity to end, You'll just be in the cafeteria. And let me tell you, God rewards. God is your source. That company might be underpaying you. Learn and be the best. And trust God. You'll be amazed at how God will just open a door for you. Like he did for the children of Israel. And they were rewarded. So, verse 6. Likewise, urge the young men to be sensible. In all things, show yourself to be an example of good deeds. With purity in doctrine Dignified. Hmm? Young men, sound in speech, which is beyond reproach. Don't use gutter languages. Young men, young men. There are certain slangs that must not come out of your mouth. Be sound in speech. Be sound in speech. Because when you're young, you're fond of talking. I don't know how far it's true, because sometimes in social media, you've got to research certain things, but someone I respect shared it, so I assume it's true. Uh, about the young man who went to look for a job at Zenit Bank, right? I don't know how many of you have seen it. Who went to look for a job at Zenit Bank, and when they were interviewing, they pulled up his social media handle. Discovered in 2020, he tweeted that Zenit Bank is the most useless bank in the country. You can go check for it; it's online. And they showed him. Sound you? you know, sound speech. You are you are running down your manager. In front of other staff. Running down your pastor in front of your children. Then tomorrow, when they have a problem, you say, let pastor counsel you. You say, which pastor? The one that does not have sense. <laughs> Sound speech. What you write, what you post. You see, you're a young man. Your friends who are ladies have birthday to celebrate. You now choose the one where the lady has gone on studio, half of her her chest is outside she was skirts that is touching the base but the slit is close to her thighs. that's the one you choose it shows your value system it shows who you are what is inside of you and you see when people see that they can conclude about stop saying uh, let people say what they like in this life you will suffer if people don't think you are good Because the company you are going to work for is not God that started it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Are you hearing what I am saying? Jesus had to find favor before God and men. It is men that will crucify you. It is men that will promote you. Even for Jesus to die, God could not kill him himself. He had to use men to kill him. There's no prophecy that is fulfilled without the actions of men. If God had promised you you will be the richest man in this world and say I don't care about it, listen to me, you will only arrive in heaven and discover it didn't come to pass. It's not that God lied and I can show you scriptures. Give, it shall be given unto you. Good measure, praise, and shaking together shall what? Shall God cause what? Men to do what? To give to your bosom. So if you're good with giving and you don't have good relationship, the sound they speech, as a young man, which is beyond reproach. That means a speech that cannot be faulted. This will not just be only written speech, uh, sorry, spoken speech, written speech, your charts, everything. Be sound. Be sound. (laughs) I remember one day I sent a message to my mentor. I just type, 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 type. Send it to him. So he replied. He said, "This is not English. Your punctuation is wrong." Ah, I felt so embarrassed. Had to delete everything and did the punctuation. And is he is that detailed? Because you know, maybe as you are just chatting, you, you can just write anything. Your boss sends you a message. You say, "Yip." <laughs> yes, so is yes you want to write? You say, "Yip." <laughs> eh? Your boss in the office. Then when they are now. Four years down the line, they are looking for who to become a manager. The enemy now brings that image to his head. See, this one that was saying yeep. That's how we'll give him this position now. You going to be replying, clients with yeep, my friend. He's not calling. And, 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 and you are fasting in church, dry fasting. Sound in speech. Come on, everybody say sound in speech. Sound in speech. All right. So that the opponents will be put to shame, having nothing bad to say about us. So the context is this, that the older men are discipling the younger men so that nothing bad will be said about us. And this is a whole process. This is not just going to take Sunday message. I, I, do you understand what I'm saying? This is going to be taking a whole lot of work. A whole lot of work. And if we're not submitted, we cannot get into this place. All right. So, I'll just give you a prophetic scripture, and then I'll just give you how to maximize these relationships, and then we're done. In Isaiah 65, verse 8, the prophet Isaiah was speaking, and he says, Just as the new wine is found in the cluster, and one says, do not destroy it, for there is benefit in it. I want to take the first part. In a cluster, in a rela- the cluster of grapes, you know what a cluster is, right? In a cluster, I say the new wine is there. There's benefit. Don't destroy the cluster. Don't destroy that relationship. Don't destroy that local place God has put you into. Plug in there. Plug into those relationships. You will get more. More will happen for you within accountable relationships than not being accountable. I'm telling you. Within your team, within your network. Don't live this lone ranger life that is being pushed into us. This life that is independent. You are married, your wife can't talk to you, your husband can't talk to you, you're just on your own, nobody can talk to you. You're within the local church, your pastor can't correct you. You're just on your own. You just, you just show up and disappear at will. Show up and disappear at will. There's nowhere you're plugged in. Sometimes, let me tell you, as destiny begins to call your name at a greater level, you might need to, you might need to plug more from your family relationships into a more deeper spiritual relationship that can help you bet that purpose. Because certain times, your natural family does not have the DNA to create the environment for you to fulfill purpose. Are you following what I'm saying? Sometimes you've got to plug in, and that's why some of us, it was campus fellowships that groomed us for destiny. For those of you who went to sending campus fellowship, realize the family did well, you got a new university, but you plugged into a campus fellowship and from there, things began to happen. Destiny began to be birthed. Most times I talk to Pastor Mary and she talks about the impact of their campus fellowship, leading them to pray, fasting, doing this. And when she shares all those stories, you realize that a greater part of what she's doing today, that campus fellowship did what? Formed a greater part So imagine she went to the university and decided not to plug into that place. What will happen? Praise the name of the Lord. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's why you've got to pray and say, Lord, is this the church I should be in? That's that's how we should actually join churches. Lord, is this the church I should be in? Is this the family you want me to be plugged in? And if God says yes, then you plug in. Okay, God, I'm in. And God begins to show you your part. God begins to show you your role. God begins to show you. And, I mean, your pastor feeds you with knowledge and understanding. We've got this relational stuff going on. And before you know, we are all together getting ourselves ready to fulfill purpose. Praise God. All right, so how do we maximize these relationships? Number one, know your God-ordained relationships. Know your God-ordained relationships. Hey, where is my God-ordained relationship? What's my tribe? Where are the people God has placed around me? What's my God-ordained relationship? Who are the people God has brought into my life supernaturally that I know from Adam? (laughs) There's no way I could have known these people if not for God. Let me tell you something. Do you think God unplugged us? Hmm? You think God pulled us from Delta State? Never done anything in River State, not like I went to Uniport or Rust and brought us, not even to Port and brought us to this island If do you think God did that casually or you think that if God brought us here, it means there are people in this island that we need to be connected with so destiny can happen. What do you think? Yeah. So your being here should be supernatural. Should be because God wants you here. Because we are here because God brought us here, God planted us here and for us this is family so when we say we're more than a church we're family is not just a slogan that's the idea of the assignment that we have on this island that God births a spiritual family through us and in us and with us in such a way that we create that spiritual environment where people can find and fulfill their destiny so it's not just about church meeting it's about the programs and that's I see that for some for sometimes for us, it's not just of how many programs we can do a month, how many programs other churches are doing so we can do. We have a sense of why God brought us here. We've got a sense of destiny that we want to see people get into their purpose. I mean, sometimes people come to me, we tell an and I say, hey, I don't think this will work for you. I think this will work for you because I see greatness in you, because I see purpose in you, because I see something good in you. Go this path so that what God wants to do in your life, he can do. So you've got to know your God-ordained relationships. Let me give you a quick thing. Just give me a few minutes. Let me give you a quick example. Do you realize that if not for Jonathan, the prophecy over David becoming king would not have happened? But Jonathan knitted with David, provided information, helped David to escape. And what happened? Years down the line, when David died, Jonathan, Jonathan and Saul died. David said, who is in the house of Saul? That I might show him mercy. And Mephibosheth. And Grace was ministered to Mephibosheth because of a relationship. The Spirit say, Jonathan loved David. But he loved his own soul. You were not from the same tribe. But destiny happened. You've got to find God-ordained relationship. Some of us are so caught up in natural relationships that we cannot see spiritual relationships that God is bringing to us. God connects you to a man. God connects you to a woman. God connects you to a man of God. And you can't see that. You're so caught up in your natural life that you cannot see this is a god on relationship. And so once any little offense comes, we don't even remember God sent us there. Just break ties. I don't do it again. Every man for himself, God for all of us. And then you just go through life with this whole approach. You might make money. You might have a house. You might have all the natural things. But are you fulfilling purpose? Are you doing what God has created you to do? Number two, know the season you are in. What season are you in? As a parent, what season are you in? The season you're in, what are you doing with that season? What are you doing with that season? How are you maximizing that season? You know? (laughs) <laughs> Every time I look at my son, I was just like, hey, you know what, boy? The season of you being at home is getting closer for you to leave. And it's so amazing. You know, sometimes you just realize, ah, just now, this boy needs to leave. That season is over. So what you, So I mean, for some of you younger parents, this will teach you a big lesson. Don't think, you know, before your child will leave the house, it will be so, how do I put it? It's so long. Before you open your eyes, the man is already writing jump. Are you following what I'm saying? So there might be a season where you say, hey, this is a season to look after my kids. Right? You must understand the season. A pastor, uh, speaking with the pastor today, we're speaking, and they said, oh, I discovered you're, you're traveling with a pastor. You're talking about a recent trip. I said, yes. We can now start traveling together because our kids are of the age where we feel she can now travel. We couldn't delegate that duty when they were smaller. That was the season. You know, and you know that time, some people will come, ah, your husband is always traveling. Why are you not joining him? They have no clue what season we were in. And that's why when you understand who you are and what you're building, it's not every talk that sidetracks you. Because you know this is the season I'm in. This is the season I'm building. This is what I'm trying to build in this church. This is what we're trying to build in this local church. When we started Zonal Fellowship, it wasn't because we wanted to copy people who were doing Zonal Fellowship. No, the Lord started speaking to us about community. And the Lord says, you have a great church, a work church, but the community is low. Start building community. And that became the intention. That became the overriding vision behind the Zonal Meetings. Why? To build community. And gradually, are we there yet? No, we're not there yet, but we're beginning to see what? community build. In small fold, but it's great. So what season are you in? Relationally. Right? As a child, as a spouse. What season? When, when Jesus was discovered, <laughs> when he was talking to the Pharisees and asking them questions, when his mother took him, what did the Bible say? And it says, and Jesus went home and was subjected to his parents. Did you read that in the Bible? Hey, did you read that in the Bible? There is a season in your life to be subjected to your parents. You are subjected. You do what they say. You are home to clean things. You're not running away from chores. Yeah. They are home, there are times you should not be at the football field. You are subjected. Why? That's the season. The day will come when you will have your own house. You know, some of you can't wait for your children to grow up so you can send them on Eh? But you now find a funny thing that if you also dodged errands when you were small, God has a way of catching you. You know, I used to dodge... <laughs> I used to dodge washing plates a lot. And my dad would just go wash the plates. It was one statement that changed my life. One day, he was washing the plates, and I saw him, and I wanted to run. He said, be running. He said, when you also give birth to your children, he said, they will see you washing plates, and they will run. You know, that statement, you, do you realize that you don't want that to happen to you, but you don't mind doing it to your father? What am I trying to say? If you're a child right now, be subject to your parents. Because you know what? You're going to have your own children tomorrow. And what do you want them to do? To be subject to you. Right? I mean, it's simple. It's simple. Right? If someone is discipling you, be accountable. See, being accountable to somebody higher is not for that person's good, it's for your good. It's for your good. Being accountable to someone, it's for your good. Being open, it's for your good. It's for your purpose. Because the older man has already developed the character you're seeking to develop. Number three, have the humility of heart to receive correction, instruction, and advice. Put up Proverbs 1, 5 for me quickly. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 5. Are you blessed by this? I didn't hear you. Are you blessed by this? Have the humility of heart to receive what? Correction, instruction, and What? Advice. Three things you must re- receive in any relationship. Correction, instruction, and advice. Correction. Be open to receive correction. Not everything w- you, you would hear would be good for you, would please your flesh. Yes. Anytime time Paul rebuked those he was writing to. Rebuke them and says it's for your good. Proverbs 1.5, a wise man will hear and increase in learning. A man of understanding will acquire wise counsel. If people advise you and you keep turning down that advice, they will not advise you any longer. Are you still here? Be accountable. Be accountable. I can tell you the story of Paul. Paul was called to be an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. God is divine revelation. Right? But the road to Damascus. But the saints were afraid of him because he was a former persecutor. You know what happened? Barnabas took his hand and introduced him to the disciples and the doors of ministry were open. Do you think anybody that had such a dramatic call like Paul will need a man to introduce him to the church. You might possibly say no, but that's how God works. And by the time he finished his three and a half years in Arabia, what happened? He says he went to Peter and John, who were pillars of the church. And therefore Peter could say and accept, give him the right hand of fellowship. That opened that thing for him. Saints, we play with divine relationships to our own detriment. If Mordecai and Esther did not have that relationship, we will not be reading this story. If Esther said, Mordecai, that's your own. What God has put me, God has put me. No man can remove me. There will not be the book of Esther. Probably we would read about her as the one queen who couldn't fulfill purpose. or Probably we might not read about her anymore. You can't tell. So, so I want you tonight to pray and ask the Lord to help you that we will be open. We will be, our hearts will be open. We would receive correction. We will receive instruction for progress. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, for your word. We pray that this word is engraved in our hearts in the mighty name of Jesus. We pray, Holy Spirit of oh God, that you help us to be accountable to fulfill purpose and to fulfill destiny in Jesus' mighty name.
0: We know you've been blessed by this telecast. To become a partner, please call plus two three four eight zero five eight 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 seven five seven five. Pastor Maxwell's messages are available in over a dozen books and a thousand audio and video formats. To purchase this title and other titles by Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, please call plus 234-805-888-7575 or send us an email, office at pastormax.ng. Also available are free downloads from ng. God bless you.